It certainly is wonderful to be here with all of you today. As you can see on the screen, the title of our lesson is An Eternal Weight of Glory. You might remember back in 2018, about three years or so, I preached this sermon in your hearing. Since that time, I've modified it a little bit, and I've tried to preach it most of the places where I travel and hold gospel meetings. It is passages that are perhaps some of the most encouraging things to the child of God. I really know of no other passage that is more encouraging than this. So the reason for such a sermon today, I realize in 2020, we had a year unlike any other year that we have ever witnessed in our lifetime. I can't go back and reflect on things that I was not alive for, but in 2020, in my lifetime, there are things that have happened that I had never seen before. We have a global pandemic. We have all manner of things. We have sorrows and regrets and things that happen in our life. And sometimes pain and sorrow, maybe perhaps of the loss of a loved one, maybe literally or even spiritually. So I realized that life is filled with sometimes challenges and sometimes great pain. So what I thought is today, I'd like to preach a sermon that is an encouragement. I'd like to look to the Word of God today and perhaps let's study what Paul said. And maybe, just maybe, we might have a different perception about the life that we are living and all the circumstances that are found therein. Our passage is taken from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and beginning in verse 16. These are the words of the great apostle Paul. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, which we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, I think that I am, I consider myself um, a a positive person, but I'm not positive all the time. I don't think anybody can be. If somebody's positive all the time in every thought and every word and everything, they're probably a little bit fake in that regard because sometimes there's negative things in life. So I don't know how you would define an optimist or a pessimist, but I think somewhere in between perhaps there is a realist and maybe that's where we stand. We're positive. Uh, we choose to be positive, but Sometimes there are negative circumstances. Sometimes there are things in our life that cause us to uh, change our perspective. But I'll tell you this. We can't have the mentality that chicken little, sky's falling, everything is bad. We can't have that mentality. We just can't. If we want to survive life, you can't choose to be that guy. Now, I'm going to tell you, I realize, like our brother prayed, he is right we, we have things that are around our young people today, our children. And uh, we understand, too, that perhaps it's harder for them, maybe than any other time of any other young people. I don't know. Maybe it's harder on them than it's ever been before. And maybe that's true. But we have to be very careful, too, on how we speak about the future. I want to tell you, share something that a young person shared with me within the last couple of years. And sometimes it kind of made me reflect, because sometimes we that are older, and I'm now one of those that are older, I'm older now, 
Okay? So those of us that are older sometimes look from a negative or pessimistic standpoint the view of the future. This young person said to me this, I get it, but remember, you got to encourage us, we have to live in it. We have to continue to live in this life. So when you talk about glory days of the church of old and how great things were and how bad things are, be careful about that. First of all, it's not true. It's not true. Sometimes people say the world is worse than it's ever been. That is not true. I know for a fact it's not as bad as Genesis chapter 6, which the Bible says that the thoughts of man's heart were ever evil continually, and God destroyed the world with a flood. It's not that bad yet. So maybe we can just change our perception a little bit and be encouraging about the future. I think there's a lot of wonderful people in this world. I really believe that. Wonderful people. I was the recipient of wonderful people in my lifetime. And I, I don't even know who some of these people are. You've heard me tell this, this little illustration. But when I had cancer, somebody rang the doorbell and I got to the door and opened it up. And there was an envelope filled with $600 cash and a little note that says, here's hoping that this little bit could help you and your family. I, to this day, 11 years later, have no idea who put the money there. There's wonderful people in the world, folks. We need to focus on that. And the world is still standing today because God knows those good hearts and perhaps we still can take the gospel and save those that are lost. Let's change our perspective just a little and let's view things a little bit differently. So there's wonderful people in the world. Yes, that's true, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily saved. So all that being said, we do have trouble. In fact, Job spoke of that. Job said, man is born unto trouble. Jesus said, so we shouldn't be alarmed. He said, in this world, what are you going to have? Trouble. James said, we fall into various trials. Here's my question. How can we endure the pains of life, the great disappointments in life? How can we handle all of that in the face of adversity? How are we going to do that? Well, we go back to verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this is what Paul said. An amazing passage. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. An amazing passage. What I want to know is, how can we be hard-pressed on every side and not crushed? How are we going to do that? How are we going to be perplexed and not in despair? How about persecuted but not forsaken? How about struck down but not destroyed? I want to figure out how to do that. Don't you? That's great stuff. How do we live like that? How can we be afflicted and not crushed and have all those things in our life and yet it will not change us? Well, let's talk about the Apostle Paul who gave us some secrets for enduring. And uh, I'll just say this too. I'm going to say two things that I think are true. Number one, sometimes we say, nobody can possibly understand what I'm going through. And sometimes our mindset is that nobody's ever gone through anything that is as difficult as I'm going through right now. You know what I've learned in my 54 short years of life? Number one, somebody does know. Jesus knows. If nobody else knows, Jesus does. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So if you think nobody can understand how you feel, Jesus knows how you feel. Number two. Usually when we're going through something that's difficult, we look at our circumstance and we think nobody's had it worse than us. I have learned this. 
Whatever I was going through in life, whatever negative thing or bad thing, if I was honest with myself and my eyes were really open, I found there was somebody that had it worse than me every time. Somebody had it worse than I had it. Somebody does have things worse. All these things are common to man. But notice what Paul said, because this is what Paul had to endure. Now, if Paul can do it, I guarantee you we can too. And we're going to find this passage in verse 9. For I think that God has displayed us, that's the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. What an amazing thing is what Paul went through, and yet he said, this is where we are, and yet he gave the encouragement for perseverance. First of all, E.M. Zer says the word spectacle is from the Greek word theatron. And Thayer defines it as a public show. A man who is exhibited to be gazed on and made sport of. Here's the illustration. It's, by the way, it's where we get the word theater. And it's in reference to the open theaters that went on in that time. They would get all the way down to the end. And it would be the, the final act. It was called the climax. It was called the spectacle. And what they would do is they would bring people and they would strip them free of their clothing. And they'd bring them down to the battle floor, the, the arena floor. And they would release the beast and the beast would eat them in the presence of the people for their entertainment. That was called the spectacle. You wonder what Paul had in his mind of what he had coming? The apostles? He said, we're the spectacle. And if you look to the life of all the apostles except John, they all died a violent death. We are last. We are the ones that are condemned in that regard. Not lost souls condemned, but we are going to have such great sufferings. So, I think we can understand if we can, uh, that uh, there's a deep awareness in the heart of Paul. That made him endure everything. He gave heavenly reasons for earthly endurance. And so we go back to our passage now in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. But before we go into these verses, I want to notice there are three heavenly reasons for earthly endurance. There's one in each verse. And before we look at those reasons, let me comment on endurance for just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I love this in the very first part. Paul begins by saying this. We do not lose heart. That's the first thing. And we already said all the horrible things he knew he had to go through. But you know what he said? You know what we don't do? We don't lose heart. You know what it means to lose heart? It literally means we don't give up. We don't get discouraged. We don't quit. We're not going to be faint-hearted. We're not going to let go. That's how he begins. We're not going to do that. We're not going to become weary. And quit. We're going to decide that no matter what happens in my life, I'm not going to be unfaithful. I won't lose my boldness, my bravery, or my courage. How are you going to do that? Number one, you will endure when you value spiritual strength over the physical. So this is how he begins. We don't lose heart even though. Now this is better constructed in the Greek with the word since. In other words, when Paul says the word even though he's saying since. And when you use that word since or what it means, you're saying, I'm going to talk about something that is understood and known. You get this. You understand this. 
We don't lose heart. Why? Since our old outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, I've changed how I think about age. When I was 24, you've probably heard me say this, you've known me 30 years. But when Daryl Jean Brewer, my father-in-law, turned 50, there was a, there was a par- party at the park or something. He's wearing this T-shirt. It says, I'm not old, I'm a recycled teenager. And it was for his 50th birthday. And the picture that I saw was standing next to David Mackey at, by a tree. You know what I thought at 24? Man, 50, he's as old as Methuselah. 50 is horribly old. I mean, that's one grave in, one foot in the grave, another on a banana peel, right? I don't think that way now. I'm 54. I've already surpassed that by four years, so I don't say that same thing. What I'm talking about is the outward man. What is the outward man? It starts to, it's our bodies. It's our physical characteristics. It's even, get this, it's the function of our brains. What he was saying is, I don't lose heart. Why? Since the outward man is perishing, but I look to the inward man, and that's being renewed day by day. What a powerful thing. And by the way, there's also age that is accelerated by experience. Have you ever known someone that perhaps lived a very hard life? And maybe they've really had a hard time in life. And you look to them, and man, they look really old, but they look way older than they really are. And then you find out how young they really are, and you're surprised. you know why? That's age that's accelerated by experience. Sometimes people can go through that. You see somebody that's very sick, and they age quickly. We say that sometimes. Boy, they've really aged this last year. Not chronologically, not any more than everybody else, but because of experience. All these things from the physical realm are wearing out. But from a spiritual perspective, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Do you remember when Paul said this? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Incidentally, that's why he wrote to Philemon about the runaway slave Onesimus, and he called himself Paul the Aged. They were probably both 60 years of age, but he was saying that I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, I'm calling you, I'm writing to you as Paul the Aged. Okay. I want to talk about the scars that Paul had. He was beaten. He was persecuted. He had to endure great suffering. And when he said, as they stoned him, and they thought they left him for dead, they thought he was dead. And as they scourged him and whipped him and beat him, he had literal scars on his body. And when he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, he meant literal marks. So what about us? Because nobody beats us like that. Nobody beats on us like that. What about us? Do we have scars? How about this? When you suffer for doing what's right, when you are a young person and your friends want to do something that is wrong and sinful and you know that, and you stand opposed to that action and you refuse to give into it, and you do what's right and you're made fun of, that's a scar. When you have a job and you don't get a promotion because you refuse to forsake the assembly on the Lord's Day morning because you have an appointment with your Lord that day and you're persecuted for that, you don't get the raise, maybe you get fired. That's a scar. 
Every time you do what's right and you're made fun of and you're criticized, it's a scar. So I thought this when I wrote this sermon about scars. What if one day, as life is over with and I have a conversation with the Lord, what if the Lord said to me, let me see your scars? Would I have any? And then I got to thinking, you know, if I live my entire life and from a spiritual perspective, I have no scars at all. Could it be that I've stood for nothing and lived a life of compromise at every turn? When you stand for something, the Bible says those that will live godly will suffer persecution. It's just the way that it is. Paul says, I don't care about all that. You know why? Because God's at work on the inside. God made him a man of endurance. What's the inner man, though? The inner man is the heart. It's the soul. That's the real self. And by the way, that's why when we go to a funeral and we stand there and we reflect on the life of an individual who is in a casket somewhere, and all that is, the casket is just the, uh, how it, it is a container housing the outward shell. That's not the person. And by the way, that's why we say that that person is still as alive today as they ever had been. They're just not here. Why? That's the inward self. That's the inner man. That's the soul. That's the real self. That is you. Paul said, I'm not concerned about what happens to me physically. I'm concerned about what happens to me spiritually. And when I'm physically weak, I am spiritually strong. Do you know why that is? Do you know why when we go through physical weakness, that is our, a time that we can be the greatest st strength in our life? Of all the years of our life, we can become stronger then. Because the pains in life and the troubles and trials contribute to our inner strength. And do you know why? They drive us to God. See, it's not our own personal strength. It's from God. Okay, a little side note here. Remember 9-11? I had a private Bible study this last week. And this came up. Studying with the family, this came up about 9-11. And the whole idea came up about 9-11 when our country had such a horrible thing happen. Terrible thing, terrible tragedy, awful terrorist attacks, terrible stuff. People started talking about God. Even people that didn't profess to be any particular religious affiliation, they started talking about God. People started trying to pray to God and talking to God. You know what else? People actually became kinder and nicer to each other. Unfortunately, it's only a matter of time that people forget and then they drift back to their old ways and old behaviors and so forth. But you know what? In the midst of trial, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hard times, that's a time that people are drawn to God. And God can strengthen us, and only He can. So, you will endure, Paul is saying, when you value the inner man over the outer, when you value spiritual strength over the physical, but also this. Another secret of endurance is, a second heavenly reality is looking at trials, Paul said this, you will endure not only when you value the spiritual over the physical, but when you endure the value of the future over the present. I love what Chris prayed today. He talked about things in the present. And there's a difference between things that are in the present 
and things that are coming in the future. That's what Paul said. He said, it's just for the present. And this is what he calls it, by the way. He calls it our light affliction. It's for a moment. What else is it doing? It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So first of all, he towers over his troubles because all of his troubles are making him spiritually strong. But also, they're gaining for him a greater weight of eternal glory. In other words, the more sufferings he endures, the, great, the greater the weight of glory becomes. Notice. I thought this was, I found this, and I thought, man, it, it's, it's the point I want to make. This represents the sufferings in life. That's what Paul's saying. The greater the sufferings in life, and man, they're piled on us. But you know what he calls it? He calls it light affliction. The man that bore in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus, he got well, that's light affliction. Okay? This right here is all the sufferings in life that you endure as a Christian, as a child of God. All the pain. The more you got over here, the more you endure over here, the greater your eternal weight of glory. This is heavier than the trials that you will have in your life. And the sufferings you will have in your life. Amazing. On this. It swings the scale for him, Paul said. Romans 8 and chapter, uh, chapter 8 and verse 17, listen to this. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. One more passage. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay, a couple things. This is obviously talking about the reward part. Okay? And it's true that in Revelation 2 and verse 10, writing to the persecuted church called Smyrna, the Lord said this, You're going to have tribulation 10 days, short amount of time. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. So it is true that when we endure, and we patiently endure to the end, it is true we're going to have eternal life, the reward part. And I used to think that this passage that is under consideration for us today was just simply meaning that about this eternal weight of glory. That it was just talking about our reward, but it's so much more than that. Paul said our sufferings contribute to eternal glory. So the question is this then. What is it? What is eternal glory? Eternal glory is our capacity to serve, praise, and glorify God in heaven. Okay, that's the eternal part. We got more to say about that, though. Hang on. But right now, look, that's what it means. The greater your capacity to get to, the greater your capacity to serve and glorify God is proportionate to your willingness to suffer as a Christian for Him. The heavier the sufferings, the greater the eternal weight of glory. So this is it. It's about glorifying God in heaven, and we increase our capacity to do that. That's the eternal part. More in a minute. So, it is our, eter our eternal glory is measured out in a relationship to our willingness to suffer. And you know, really, that goes against our grain, right? Nobody wants to suffer. Little point here, because I do it too. Man, we all do it. 
If we have something that's hard for us, you know what we do? We beg God to take it away. I do it too. And I'm not saying you shouldn't ask God to take it away. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that if God says no and will not take it away, then maybe we should spend more time saying, if not, then give me the strength and the courage to endure it. Give me the strength to endure. That's really the point, I think, in our life. Give us the strength to endure. All that will live godly will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. In 1 Peter chapter 1, notice this. In this you greatly rejoice that for now in a little while, if for now a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. An amazing passage of what Peter's saying there. The genuineness of our faith is demonstrated or shown by our ability to endure and persevere no matter what. And when are you going to get the reward? At the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's heaven when the Lord comes back. That's that part, right? So there's a relationship, though, between suffering and glory, and that's exactly what Paul looked at. I don't want to minimize pain. I don't want to do that. I don't want to minimize suffering. I don't want to do that either. Because I guarantee you, I'm a human too. And you know when you think you can, you're bulletproof and you can handle anything? You know when that is in your life? When you're about 18, maybe early 20s. Sometimes we go a little longer with our immaturity and we think that we're bulletproof and we're all oh, you can't. I've even said things when I was a kid, but this is the dumbest thing ever. Can't hurt steel. No, you pour water on it, make it rust though. Sometimes in our mindset, we have that mindset. But we are all weak before the Lord. And when we're physically weak and when we're weak that way, we can approach God and God can give us the strength. So pain is pain and it's real. Christian science is not true to its name. In the Christian scientist religion, they say this. They say there's no such thing as real pain and real suffering. There's only the perception of pain. How in the world could you ever believe that? Pain is pain. Pain is real. You know, Christian science is not true to its name. It ain't Christian. It ain't science. It's kind of like grape nuts, right? It ain't grapes and it ain't nuts. And it tastes like wood. Not true to its name. Yeah, pain is real, folks. Please understand I'm saying that. A scar is a scar. Defamation of character is defamation of character. It's real. You know what Paul's saying? He's not saying it doesn't exist. He's saying it doesn't matter. He's saying it doesn't matter. It's momentary. He called it, it's a light affliction. It's a big deal, but it doesn't matter. It's producing for us an eternal weight of glory. It has a positive effect. The more that I suffer, the greater my eternal glory. That's right. They are connected and it's producing an eternal weight of glory. Now, it tips the scale in our favor. So, what does it mean? Eternal glory means this. We have a greater capacity to praise, serve, and glorify God. Now, I want to say this, though, about 
the very fact that it enlarges our capacity. I want to say this, though, about our reward. Our reward is not different. Don't ever think that if you had to endure tough stuff, that you're going to get a greater reward in heaven because you are not. Jesus said in the parable of the vineyard, everybody's going to get a penny, a denarius, a day's wages. Not that you've earned it, but it is by grace given. And whether you served in the vineyard all of your life or came in at the 11th hour, you're still going to get the same penny. So the idea is that you're going to have a greater reward in heaven because of the things that you endured here. It just means this. It enlarges our capacity to serve God and it happens even in this life. Years ago, I knew of a man that had some terrible things happen to him. And I had to witness all of that. And I remember as a young person thinking how awful that was. And you really feel sorry for the person that's enduring such a thing, right? Because that's a human being that we are. It's a human standpoint. And somebody said this, and I never had thought of this. I was in my 20s at the time, but Somebody said this. He said, I can't wait to see the man that he will be on the other end of this trial. I never looked at it like that. He was. He was looking at it like this. Even in this life, it'll increase your capacity to serve God and make you even better right now because of what you endure right now. And by the way, it's not something you get rid of. It's something you take all the way to heaven and increases your capacity in that way. So, what's the difference between trials and suffering? What's the difference? Okay. In James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What's the difference then? The difference is this. Trials increase our ability to persevere. Suffering increases our capacity to serve God. When I talk about suffering, though, I'm not talking about suffering the consequences of my bad choices. I'm not talking about that. Because you know what? If I make a bad choice and I suffer the ramifications of that bad choice, that's just the consequences of my bad choice. I have that coming. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's not what the Lord ever talked about. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about things that glorify God. We understand that. Suffering as a Christian. Things you go through in this life. All of that stuff. That's true. Okay? But there's something else. And please get this because I think this is very important. It also includes when something bad happens to you... You don't give up. You don't chicken out. You don't say, I quit. You still put your faith and trust in God. You still honor His Son. You still worship God. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't walk away. When you do that, you take what was a scar, and now you move forward, and it's become a greater eternal weight of glory. You have it forever. Paul tells us another secret of endurance. 
You will endure when the, you value eternal realities over temporal. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay? Now, notice this. In summary, we're almost finished. We don't lose heart. Why don't we lose heart, Paul? Why? Because our outward man is perishing. We know that. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. We know that. That's the reason. What else? These light afflictions, they're no big deal because of what's coming. They're just for a moment. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What an amazing Amazing passage. Sometimes people today, and I really do believe this, I really do believe that there's more people looking for a church than looking for the truth. And the reason for it is they're looking for a religious organization that makes them feel better. I think there's a lot of people that are looking at what they get but in Christianity, in Christ, it's not about what you get. It's about what you give. So we might not have an easy life, and it may be difficult. That's okay. It increases our capacity to serve, praise, and honor God in this life. As we live, we can become a better servant, and after this life, too, in heaven. Now, in this last phrase here, it says, while you the opposite, while we do not look, the opposite is while we do look. I think it's so important that we focus our minds and let our, and let our eyes be single. You know, it, it, you have to stop doing something to, to do something else that's opposite. you got to do that. What is he saying? We don't look at the things that are, are not seen. So you know what we got to look at? We don't look at the things which are seen. We have to look at the things which are not seen. You've heard that little phrase that I used as a coach. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. If you have clear eyes and you're focused eyes and your eyes are single and you're focused on that, you're focused on that goal. And that's what Paul's saying. My focus is on that which is not seen, that is eternal. I'm looking past all this stuff. That's number one. Number two, if I got a full heart, you know what that means? I rid my heart of all the bitterness, hatred, all the negativity, all of that stuff. I get rid of it and I fill it with a love for all that's good. If I do that and I got clear eyes and a full heart, I cannot lose because I've done all that I possibly can do. I've become the greatest version of me. And that's all that any of us could ever do. Folks, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that in our life, we're going to have hard times. We really are. And sometimes we just need to encourage each other to stay in the fight. It will be worth it. And when Paul wrote to those at Smyrna, I mean, Jesus wrote to those at Smyrna. He said, be faithful unto death. That means this, be faithful even if it takes your life, even if it costs you your life. I'm going to tell you, one day, one day, it'll be worth it all. And I guarantee you this too, anybody that's ever passed away and they're in paradise right now, they know where they are. And as much as we may miss them, they wouldn't come back if they could they made it. And they're just waiting for the Lord to come back to get the home in heaven. We can make it. It's going to take all of us. Let's be better than we've been. 
Let's be all that we can be for the cause of Christ. I'm through this morning. Thank you so much for your kind listening. And I hope in this little sermon, this was a way to encourage all of us to persevere and endure until the end. And it will be worth it all. It will increase our capacity to serve God. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.